0: It's so important to have people around you that they're your cheerleaders. They're telling you like, you got this. I'm not questioning you. When you do make that leap, just make sure that the people that are closest to you are the people that believe in you. Are you ready to transform
1: your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my great 2 wealth listeners. Today, I have the pleasure to bring to you Gabe Peterson from Seattle. Gabe, how are you, buddy? Sakhad, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation because I know we have a bunch of different overlaps. Both of us are management consultants or ex-management consultants. Both of (laughs) us from tech world. We're in the financial freedom world. So I'm like, this is going to be a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you for making the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
1: Awesome. Gabe, let's start with, really start with your story, man, of your migration into wealth. We'll start with how do you define wealth?
0: For me, it's always been, I need time freedom and I need the absence of stress when it comes to thinking about money. I don't need to be extremely rich. I don't need to have, yeah. be able to buy like Bentleys and whatever. I just need to be able to do what I want, when I want. And I need to not have to worry about any of the bills, any of the things that generally happen in life that require money.
1: Right. I think that makes sense. And where are you in that journey right now?
0: I'm free. And when it comes to time, you know, I'm running my own business. And so when I say free, I don't mean like you can always just do what you want when you want, but I'm determining my own schedule. And when it comes to money in terms of security. Obviously, I'm financially secure, but it's funny, once you start making money, you always feel like you need more. And so I'm kind of battling right. that, trying right. to tell myself that, no, I don't actually need more. We don't need to move to the best zip codes in exactly. Seattle. Or exactly. Yeah.
1: That's where it starts, right? As your income exceeds your current capacity, which is an arbitrary capacity to begin with, sometimes our expenses go above as well. Yeah. It's a fine balance between the two. It's kind of living the life you want and buying the comfort you want. And they're two different things sometimes. So to help us understand the journey into it, you were a consultant, which is a crazy schedule, knowing my own schedule from being a consultant before. Working 80 hours, you don't get a Christmas break because when Christmas break, there's always a client deliverable because, you know, clients go leave for vacations and all it is and you got to have to work. So help me understand that path from being a consultant where you don't control any aspect of your time. And that's probably true for a lot of W2 income earners and the business owners as well. So what was your journey into what you do right now?
0: Yeah. And that was like the main reason that I wanted, even when I first started as a consultant, I I was looking for a way out because on my first job, I was just thinking like, I really don't own my time here. Like this is not my time is not my own time. I'm on somebody else's time. And so I was always looking for something. But I actually started, I'll go way back. I started, I was going to law school, but I decided not to pursue that path because I followed some of my family friends who were lawyers. And I was like, this is not the life for me. And so I was just kind of looking for what to do. A friend of mine was at Accenture and he was talking to me about it. He introduced me to some friends. And so I Went down that path. I was like, sure, consulting sounds great. And I started working as a consultant up here in Seattle, Washington. We got tons of tech companies up here. And so it was good. But as I said, I didn't like the schedule. I didn't like how it kind of constricted me. And so I really wanted to find something else. And it took me a long time to actually find something. I did pretty much everything between then and now. I started an e commerce company, I did a digital marketing company. Obviously I got into real estate. Wow. My first flip was in twenty fourteen and that was with a friend of mine. And on that flip we made I think it was like eighty thousand dollars, eighty-three thousand dollars, something like that. And mm. that was like the most I had ever seen in a single right. check. And I was like, All right, this works, this, this makes it. sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was in, you know, I worked in tech for seven years. I didn't leave. I kept working as as a consultant for a very long right. time before I actually decided to leave. And it's a scary moment to make that jump. I felt it like is. I needed X amount of money. I needed all of these things to line up. The first flip it was in twenty fourteen. At that point, I had tried other things, you know, the e commerce store and all that stuff, and I had done them successfully. And with e commerce, I think the store was doing about twenty to thirty thousand a month gross, mm-hmm. not net. But I just really didn't like sitting behind a computer, and I was doing it at the same time as working in tech, and so it was just oh, yeah. wasn't fun. But I ended up an aunt of mine was in real estate. And she brought me this property and me and my friend decided to buy it. We did the flip. We made about $80,000. I think it was a little bit more than 80000 The most I'd ever seen in one check. And so I knew that this path worked, but it took me a while after that first flip to actually leave corporate because it's right. so scary to leave corporate. Oh, I so, can
1: imagine, man. I just did that. I can't even imagine. I know how it feels because in December, I quit my W-2. I know exactly recently, yeah. what you must have been going to It's not something natural. And when I say natural, which is artificial to begin with, but we made it natural of the concept of a steady paycheck, right? And it doesn't exist. And while you know you'll be fine because you've created the wealth somewhere else, you've created a steady stream of income with other investments, but it's still never 100%. And there's an ounce of you without yourself saying, am I doing the right thing? Because the whole world is going nine to five.
0: Yeah, and that's really—I mean—I feel like that's really what it takes—is just confidence in your ability to handle whatever comes at you. Because you're never going to be 100% secure; that just doesn't exist. Every, things can always go wrong, even when you're in—you have a huge portfolio—you aren't in control of everything that happens. And so, what I realize is that I just need to be confident in my ability to handle whatever comes at me. That's just the decision you have to make. You know, confidence comes with action; it comes with taking the steps that need to be taken. And so you just need to start taking those steps and just keep taking the steps until never, until you just keep taking them. Until
1: never, right? Yeah, because there's no end to these things. What I really like about that journey is, and I would love to hear your perspective, is really, it's not about the money. Yes, money is there. Yes, you make your investments. Yes, they return. And yes, you get an adrenaline rush. But I think it's really, you need to become a different person, right? Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of personal growth. When you're challenging the norm, and you're trying to do something which your friends and your neighbors and your family members are basically telling you you're crazy, which yep. I'm sure it happened to you. It has definitely happened to me. That hey, if you're gonna keep investing, when are you gonna live? The flip of the question is, if you're gonna keep living, when are you gonna invest?
0: And I don't think and that's why right. it's so important to have people around you that you're they're your cheerleaders. They're telling you like you got this, I'm not questioning you, I'm not telling you it's a dumb thing. So right. when you do make that leap, just make sure that the people that are closest to you are the people that believe in you. Because if people are, that your closest family and friends are questioning you, it'll be really hard to make those steps. Yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, I couldn't yeah. have done it without my family.
1: Correct, correct. I think that support is needed from the family and the friends. But I think what happens mm-hmm. is that I needed to get into habit. And it's probably, I'm making a broad statement, but I think it's true is that we need to make sure we're asking for feedbacks on things from people who are qualified to have an opinion. It's the kind of thing is, hey, mom and dad, I'm trying to do this. Now They grew up in a world where you work for the same company for 30, 40 years and you had the pension and everything was perfect, right? In terms of they had, that had a security around it. There were The layoffs yeah. and everything else was not
0: common. My dad worked at Boeing for 40, I think it was 42 years. Yeah.
1: (laughs) If you ask them their opinion of, hey, I want to start my own company for about around investing, chances are you're going to get an answer that you may not like. But if you actually ask somebody who has gone through that path, let's say if you and I are talking and I talk to you, Gabe, hey, I'm looking at this option. You're like, Socket, I've just done it. It's possible. It's a very different level of comfort that you can have. If, If Gabe can do it, yeah, i may not be as smart as Gabe. I may not be as resourceful as Gabe, but if he can do it, I can figure it out, right? Now there is a hope. And that hope brings a lot of confidence. I had a professor at Columbia who would always say, you know how people say, where there's a will, there's a way? It's actually, he said, it's the other way around. Where there's a way, there's a will. If you can see a line of sight to anything, you will create your will towards it. I'm sure both perspectives have a place. But what we're trying to do if people don't have a line of sight of being financially free, and they can't talk to somebody who has done it, it's an untrue statement, right? And yeah. that's the problem. But once they've seen you, they've seen me, they've seen others like us, and there are plenty of others. You and I are not the only ones here, right? And that is actually what gives them the will to say, I should at least explore it. Are they smoking something? Are there some <laughs> truth behind it? And there's actually truth yeah. behind it. We have our own mentors. I'm sure you have your own mentors. I have my own, who have basically crossed the chasm, and once they have gone the other side, now they are helping others to get out as well. That's really what yeah. motivates. So, Gabe, what exactly do you within real estate right now? Because real estate is pretty broad, right? There are like billion different subsectors within those. What do you do, and how did you pick that
0: asset class? Yep. I got started in 2014 as kind of a side hustle. And so from 2014 to essentially 2019, 2020-ish, I would do flips, I'd do wholesales, and then I bought some single family duplexes kind of stuff. But it wasn't until 2019 when I closed on my first commercial property. It was a mobile home park out here in Washington state. And that's when I went full-time into real estate I decided to focus commercial. I went into mobile home RV parks. We bought a couple of those and I had started to do research on the different asset classes. I really wanted to focus in on one because I feel like you get the most traction when you really get good at a single asset class. Right. And so I decided to focus in on self-storage. And in 2020 or maybe 2021, I bought my first self-storage facility. And so for the past couple of years, we've been buying self-storage facilities.
1: Why did you pick self-storage? What about that appeal to you,
0: so I had kind of narrowed it down to self storage and mobile home parks. I wanted the least amount of risk and the most amount of upside. Obviously, everybody yeah. wants that self storage facilities, mobile home parks rV parks are considered asset or um recession resistant. you know I put that in air quotes because right. it's what people say, but they do perform very well in recessions historically, so that's one thing that I was looking at. The other thing is both self-storage and mobile home parks, people don't live at your property. Multifamily, and I don't have... Obviously, multifamily is a great sector, but I didn't want people to be living in something that I owned. With mobile home parks, they live on the land and you essentially land lease to them. Mm -hmm. And then with self-storage, it's just people's stuff. You know, If I'm evicting somebody, I'm not evicting their safety, their home. I'm just evicting their storage. And so self-storage is also really great because it's very easy to do as a remote management. Are easier essentially. And so uh, I liked everything that I saw about self storage and decided to jump into it. Awesome.
1: And I think this is where the interesting stuff happens, right? And I think at some point I'm going to do a panel between all different uh, sub asset classes within the real estate because it'll be interesting. Like everyone has a thesis, it does not mean the other person is wrong. So if yeah, you disagree yeah. with somebody on multifamily or mobile home or office building, that's okay. There's nothing wrong in that, mm. but you strongly believe in one thesis. So we did a podcast on you need to have as an investor, your own investment philosophy. What you can't yeah. do is you can't listen to Saka, and then you can't listen to Gabe and change your personal philosophy once you have established that. Now you may alter it because you have tested it, not because you are not going to alter it. We would not recommend altering it just because you listen yeah. to a podcast and somebody gave an opinion. Because that opinion is a biased opinion, right? Now, Gabe is not lying to you that asset class has a great value, but it may not be good for everybody. So how do you determine it's good for you? By really developing your own thesis, by talking to people like Gabe, people like me, people like others, to understand, to have a holistic picture of a few different asset classes and then figuring it out. Ideally, you would want to overlay the macro on top of it and see what is your sense of macro? What is market speaking to you? and then you can kind of make that determination, which direction do you want to go? What are your thoughts on that, Gabe?
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's one of the reasons I love real estate is there's so many different strategies, business models within real right. estate, different right. asset classes. You can do wholesaling, you could do right. notes, you can Correct. do farms, land, there's just yeah. tons of different ways to do it. And so whatever interests you, whatever you kind of are inclined towards that you can make it work. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned office. Office is doing horribly right now. But even office, I mean, you can make office work. You can find I mean, one it. One could argue it's the best time to buy office buildings.
1: One could argue. There you go. Right? There you because go. they're depressed. Now, <laughs> you need to make sure how to do that, how to turn it around.
0: And you should be able
1: to do that, not just because it's cheap. And if there's a yeah. reason why it's cheap right now. And you want to make sure that if you're going to go against the grain, you have a very strong thesis. And if it works Well, yeah.
0: And when things crash, like when office people are moving out of office, that means there's an opportunity there. It's Correct. There is all this office space. I think there's going to be some interesting uses of that space in the future. I think we're already talking Um, about
1: it. We're hearing a lot of noise right now that people are going to convert into condos. They're going to turn into warehouses. Who knows which way the window is. I'm not qualified enough to give an opinion on what's the right path for commercial buildings office buildings. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure someone's figured that out or will yeah. figure it out. And that person or that group of individuals are really going to be cashing out big time. Yep. But that's their asset class. So they know everything about that asset class. That's great. You know everything about the asset class that you work in, which is self-storage. I know about a few different asset classes because that's what I've built my strengths in. Does that necessarily mean one is right? Like Somebody asked me which sector is right for me. I'm like, I actually don't know. Because I don't even know what you want to do. How many do you want to involve? What's your risk tolerance? So if you ask a question, what's the best sector to invest in? If somebody gives you a response to that, don't even listen to them.
0: Yeah. A partner of mine, actually, his name is Neil Timmons. He puts on an event and he has this test that he has people go through that kind of helps them decide which asset class is right for them just based on the different criteria yeah. that you would experience in different assets. And so- Correct. I thought that was kind of interesting because each one has its own nuance. It does, and so, it does. Uh, yeah.
1: I agree with that. I believe in the self story. I think as Americans, we don't like to throw things. <laughs> and the true. houses are getting smaller and smaller because the bigger houses are expensive. So what's going to yeah. happen, right? So that's just going to be there. So Gabe, I, I know we have pressed on time. So I do want to shift gears here towards the end of our show here, which is two questions I always ask our audience. One is going to be around Knowing what you know now, and you have a very exciting career, you've done fairly well, both the corporate and the investment perspective. What's one or two insights you'd share with your 20-year-old self if
0: you had to go back? My 20-year-old self, it's funny, I asked this on my podcast too, and everybody mm-hmm. has the same answer. And I'm going to say the same answer because I 100% agree with it. It's, I wish I got started sooner. It's Making that like leap a trend so scary, <laughs> yeah. but if I had started sooner... There was no reason that I should have waited. I could have started seven years sooner. I could have even bypassed the corporate world. And so not that there's anything wrong with corporate. If that's your game, that's your game. But if I'd gone back to my 20-year-old self, I wish I would have started sooner and kind of had a little bit more confidence at that very beginning, just to say, this is what I want. This is what I'm going for. Correct.
1: Right. No, I agree. I think I hear the same answer all the time, that I wish I knew to buy real estate or whatever that Mm -hmm. asset class is. I wish you got it started earlier. And Gabe, last question is going to be around, where do you think humanity should migrate towards?
0: Give a little bit more color for that one.
1: What's missing in humanity?
0: So I believe the free market system is great, but I don't feel like capitalism is the end, end result. I do feel like there are problems within it. And so I feel like the next evolution is just a restructuring of society. And I don't have a good answer here, but I just know that yeah. capitalism creates a lot of problems. And I feel like those yeah. problems have a solution, especially in terms of inequality and just making it really difficult to climb the ladder. If you don't have certain things in place, certain support systems, then it's really difficult to move up. And so I feel like the next evolution is addressing that. Is I wish I had the answer, but I don't. But I just feel like there but is some But if you had the answer,
1: to you would already be doing it, right? So it's going to take time. It's <laughs> a wall. We may or may not have a part to play in, but I think everyone can try and change, bring the world that they're hoping for. Well, Gabe, I think this has been exciting, man. Sorry we're pressed on time here. but I really appreciated your time. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, Gabe, where can they find you?
0: Yeah. Best place is the podcast. The podcast is The Real Estate Investing Club. So just go to therealestateinvestingclub.com. You can find me there.
1: Awesome. Perfect, man, Gabe. We'll make sure we include the link below, Gabe. Gabe, thank you again for your time, man.
0: Appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on.
1: If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this
0: content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step to connect directly with Socket on an investor call.
1: That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.